0: Today's reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Well, thank you for your reading and thank you again for your welcome. Thank you, Claire. It's really good to be here with you this afternoon. I've got a joke for you. I apologise in advance. I only heard it in the last week. It's worthy of inclusion in a Christmas cracker. Are you ready for the joke? This is the joke. Are you ready? Yes. Why don't scientists trust atoms to deliver bad news? Because they make up everything. Forgive me. Thank you. How do you respond to bad news is the question. Are you a glass half empty or glass half full? Sort of person. I'm a glass half full person. I prefer not to think about bad news, but we can't avoid bad news. And in Mark's gospel, we can't really think about the good news unless we at least clock the bad news. I have some bad news for us this afternoon. What is it? Well, the first piece of bad news is this. In the last 50 years especially, despite an extraordinary range of fruitful initiatives in evangelism and social activism, in youth work and in a wide range of other areas, the number of people attending church in the UK has plummeted. It's around 5%. Of course, it's also the case that some parts of the church are growing, but overall, we're ageing and seeing decline. That's the first piece of bad news. The second piece of bad news, which of course is related to the first piece, is that 75% of young adults raised in Christian homes have left church by the age of 35. 75% of young adults raised in Christian homes have left church by the age of 35. It's not that they've all rejected Christianity as untrue, by the way. It's that they don't see the connection between the gospel and their everyday lives and concerns. Their experience of church is often shallow. And that's the second piece of bad news, the third and the final piece at least for this afternoon, of bad news, is this. 98% of Christians, i.e. those not in church paid work, don't feel equipped to relate the gospel to 95% of their waking lives. 98% of Christians don't feel equipped to relate the gospel to 95% of their waking lives. That's what we've discovered at LICC. The majority of Christians, perhaps even one or two of you here, don't feel empowered to live as disciples of Jesus in their everyday lives and work. It's often easier to sing a little louder on a Sunday than to live a little bolder every other day of the week. The mission strategy of the church often seems to be to recruit followers of Jesus to use some of their leisure time to join the missionary initiatives of church paid workers, rather than to equip all God's people to live all of life as followers of Jesus. That's the bad news. And I've become more convinced than ever That we are failing to capture the hearts of the next generation, not because the gospel we present is too radical, but because often it's too safe, too shallow and too small. And the challenge of Jesus to us is to recover confidence in his gospel and embody that gospel every day of the week. In the first century world of Jesus, people were struggling to come to terms with their own bad news. In Israel's history, they had frequently rebelled against God and were sent into exile, mirroring the prodigal son's departure from his father. And of those some exiles Returned, many people in Jesus' time still felt as if they were living in a state of virtual exile. While physically back in the land, they were under the rule of Herod, who was simply a puppet king. The Roman emperor was pulling the strings. This was bad news, and it was a million miles away from the vision that God had given to Abraham in the first book of the Bible. In the first century, people longed for a new exodus, a deliverance that would bring them out of spiritual and social exile and restore their fortunes once and for all. And so we read that after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. And that gospel, or good news, for that's what the word gospel means, centres on the coming of God's kingdom, God's sovereign and saving rule. And so Jesus chooses his moment to act. As long as John the baptizer is announcing the kingdom down by the Jordan, Jesus can bite his time. But when John is put into prison, Jesus knows that his time has come. And so he comes to the Galilean villages as a wandering prophet, as distinct from John the Baptizer, who stays in one place. And he urgently announces his gospel to the people. He tells them what is going on. So what is Jesus doing in the passage we read and throughout his ministry? First, Jesus is announcing the kingdom. Jesus was a first century Palestinian Jew who was announcing that this was the time for God to become king. He was, as we've already noted, plugging into expectations that had been building for a long time among the Jewish people as they knew life wasn't the way that it was supposed to be, and they knew that their God, who was the creator God, had promised to come back and sort it out, to put the world to rights one day. And Jesus is saying, the time has come. The time is fulfilled. The time that we've been waiting for is here. It is present. God's long-awaited victory over evil and the rescue of his people has begun. This is the time for God to become king. This really is good, and it is news. And Jesus was going about doing things that said, this is what it's going to look like. And he was telling stories which said, it's going to be not quite like what you thought it was going to be like. It's going to be like this. It's going to be like someone sowing seed and half of it seems to be wasted but then there's a great crop, or it's going to be like a father who has two sons, and dot, dot, dot. And Jesus told these stories to say, it's happening now, it doesn't look quite like you imagined, but stick with me and you'll see how it's going to be. It's been just over a year since the Queen died, and Charles became king, and we know that royal succession occurs immediately upon the death of a reigning monarch, but... The formal proclamation, the announcement that Charles is king, took place a couple of days later, coinciding with the accession council at St. James's palace. The reign of Charles was announced. Jesus is doing a similar but also very different thing here. He is announcing the reign of God. This is the time for God to become king and the implications of this are astronomical. They are world-changing. Jesus is not only announcing the kingdom, but secondly, he is embodying God's kingdom. Jesus was doing things, celebrating, eating with all the wrong people, sinners as they called them, people of bad character, but who were ready to latch on to the message of forgiveness and new starts and new creation and new life. And so Jesus was doing things like that and healing people of all kinds of diseases as a sign that this is what it looks like when God becomes king, a new creation really begins to happen. But the trouble is, if he was embodying God's kingdom, the forces of destruction and death were going to strike back pretty hard, which is why the focal point of the four gospels is on the death of Jesus. Jesus believed that it was his vocation to embody a moment when God will come in person and take the weight and the horror of the world's evil and shame and sin and death upon himself and exhaust it. And the sign that Jesus had done this, the further embodiment of the kingdom, if you like, was three days later when he was alive in a transformed, resurrected, body. It was the same body, yet it was somehow different. It had gone through death and out through the other side. Jesus was embodying the launching pad of God's new creation. And when we get to know Jesus for ourselves, and when we talk with other people about him, and when we try and live the kingdom way, we're supposed to be embodying the kingdom in a way that is attractive and winsome to people who are looking on it from the outside. Jesus is not only announcing and embodying the kingdom, but thirdly and finally, Jesus is enabling God's kingdom, because after he was raised from the dead, he sent the Spirit upon his followers and told them to get on with doing the job that he had started in the world, close up and personal amongst his own people. That is the power and the promise of the kingdom today. When we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We are praying that all that Jesus did will somehow be channeled by his Spirit, through us, through all his people, out into the world, to our friends and colleagues, to all who need to see the signs of the kingdom. Jesus announces, embodies and enables the kingdom, God's sovereign and saving rule. And that was good news for the people in Jesus' time and place. But it wasn't only good news for them, it's also good news for us and for all people in our time and in our particular place. We should never be in denial about bad news, but the good news of Jesus transcends and transforms everything that's thrown at us. The time that we've been waiting for is here. God's kingdom, God's rule is here. It is breaking in even if we can't always see it. And it's what we pray for. The gospel of Jesus is less about us getting into heaven than it is about heaven getting into us and through us to the world around us. The kingdom is embodied in the person of Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, and in the sending of the Spirit. If we ever want to know what the kingdom of God looks like, we can look at Jesus. And Jesus enables us by the Spirit to get on with the job of doing what he had been doing amongst his own people. Right here, right now, in this building, in our offices, in our constituencies, in our communities. Would you think, just for a moment, about a particular situation you're facing at work just now? It could be a really challenging one. Think about that situation, bring it to mind. How might you embody the life of the kingdom in that situation. Let me just give one example as I close. It involves a friend of mine and his name is James. And he used to work for one of the big law firms here in London as a commercial lawyer. He was a partner of the law firm. And on one occasion, possibly in a setting a little bit like this, James was challenged about the extent to which he was or wasn't applying the life of the kingdom to his everyday life and work, and particularly the life of his law firm. And he resolved that he would do something about it. So on Monday morning, he enters his law firm with a renewed sense of energy and purpose. He takes the lift up to the top floor, that's where the other partners hang out, and he prepares to confront his fellow partners. And then, he realises what he's done. He's just walked past five people on his way to the top floor and completely ignored them. Do you know what he does? He turns around, he takes the lift to the bottom floor, he exits the building, and he starts again. He re-enters the building, he stops and speaks to the receptionist. He says to the receptionist, hello. I'm so sorry. I came into work earlier and I walked past you without even saying hello. I'm so sorry. My name is James. I'm one of the partners of this firm. What's your name? Thank you for the contribution that you're making to the life of this firm. And you did that to all the people that you would walked past and ignored. Do you know, on that day, James, Started to change the culture of his law firm. He started to apply the life of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus, in the place that he worked with the people that he worked for. That was not only utterly transformational for James, but for the people and the culture of his firm. The gospel really is good And it really is news. This is good news that we can have confidence in. And next week, we'll think a little bit more about how we might embody this news in our everyday lives. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that in our different ways, in our different circumstances, in our different offices, with the different opportunities and challenges that we are presented with this day, this week, we pray that you will help us to respond to the challenge of Jesus, to follow him, to not only enter the kingdom, but apply, live the life of the kingdom to everything. We pray for your Holy Spirit, that you will enable us to do this in a way that is deeply authentic. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you stand for our closing hymn, I stand.